Southeast Radio's Morning Mix. Chat, news and your views. Good morning, Alan. Thank you for joining me in studio. And of course, you're a former presenter of this show, so welcome back to your old... Thank you very much, <laughs> yes. Uh, can you give us a quick summary, Shane, about what has been revealed recently about a litany of abuse at the hands of priests in Blackwell College? I mean, essentially, what we're seeing is that this is um, a, a shockingly familiar story just with a, a, a different religious order in a different set of, of schools. Um, we're seeing um, a modus operandi, which we have seen seen revealed in the Ferns report which um, uh, most of us in Wexford would be very familiar with that we have an institution based around education, based around schools, run by a religious order of priests in which it appears that there was systemic abuse of, of, the, uh, of the pupils, which in this case were, were, were young men. And you know this is going back over a number of different decades and as tends to happen in these instances, um, when it occurs, um, the the, the young men in question repress what's going on. They, they they bury it, if you like, to protect themselves emotionally. And then in adulthood, um, it, it emerges, usually because what's happened is that these these poor people's lives have spiralled out of control. Um, RTE did a documentary, um, The Dock on One, um, in which two brothers who had attended Blackrock College, um, yeah. at the, more or less at the same time, but in separate years, um, were both abused and they, they hadn't shared this information with one another. And in adulthood, they, they revealed to one another what had happened. And in both of those people's cases, alcoholism, difficulty forming relationships, anxiety, mental health issues, all of these things were a feature and challenge that they had to overcome and um, there has just been a, a tidal wave of revelation and, and it's shocking and, and it's awful but it's, it, it's great that Ireland as a, as a community is now able to actually open up and support these people who've been through this and also is able to stand up and have an adult's discussion about what this means and what we can do going forward. I mean you, you have gone on record, you've spoken nationally about it as well, you suffered mm. abuse as a child and you grew up believing that the abuse was simply a part of life. Can you yeah. talk to me about that mindset and how you overcame something like that please? Absolutely, yeah, I mean I, I I grew up here in Wexford um, at the age of four. Um, a local priest who was a friend of the family uh, would visit me in my home and when I started school would, would also visit the school and um, I would be taken to uh, a room in school and I would be abused there. Um, this went on until I was about eight years of age in which this particular priest had chosen me as an altar server and I started making an eejit of myself on the altar, getting things wrong, ringing the bell in the middle of the, the sermon and stuff like that just to make myself unacceptable and um, because he was so embarrassed and annoyed he stopped bringing me to, to the altar and that, that pre- prevented that from happening. As When I went to secondary school um, on the day of my entrance exam a particular priest there took me aside and told me that um, he would be keeping a special eye on me, that he'd been told that I might have a a view to becoming a priest myself and that I should be shepherded in that direction uh, within the space of of, of three weeks then, um, you know, he was abusing me as well. Um, I grew up, Alan, thinking that, uh, yeah, that this was just a part and parcel of daily life, that that clerics, that members of the church um, were all powerful and that they could pretty much do whatever they wanted. And... uh, 
again, I repressed it when it finally stopped when I was about 14, 15 years of age. I just buried that memory. And interestingly, I made the decision around that age that I wanted to, to work in child protection. Um, if you had asked me why, I would have said it was because it didn't involve working, you know, normal hours and it was a little bit different and I wanted to help people. But in reality, of course, it was about trying to stop what had happened to me happening to other people. So how did you address it then? How did you get your life back on track? Um, I would say that for the first 20 years that I that I that I worked I I buried the pain through work I became quite obsessive I worked very long hours and it became a crusade for me um, what eventually happened was Alan that I started having nightmares uh, really serious nightmares that I couldn't understand and I went to a therapist and it was actually through that process that I began to remember what had happened to me and then you know uh, that's extremely painful. Um, writing the books that I've written has been an extremely cathartic exercise. Um, and finally, actually being open about it, actually saying, this is who I am, this is what happened to me. And then you, you just then have to accept that into your, your view of, of, of yourself. It, it's really tough. It's very hard. It takes right. a very long time, but it's worth it. You're now a child protection expert. Mm. So how do you now deal with situations and scenarios like this? Um, Talking about it is, is critical. Telling people that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, that you can come through this. Uh, I think, as I said, being very, very open about Ireland has a dark history. Um, you know, we have, as a society, as a community, we have not always treated children and, and women terribly well. Uh, and, and owning up to that and, and looking at ways that we can make sure that this doesn't happen going forward. Empowering children. Mm. Um, telling children, you don't have to say yes, you can say no. You, uh, you know, that you can, t- telling parents, establish a relationship with your kids where they feel that they can come to you and tell you anything. And that you will always be there for them and that you will hear them and that you will protect them. Right. I mean, we have to take into context the stranglehold the church had over oh, 100%. in the 70s yes. and 80s yes. and even in the early 90s. Uh, and we've heard so many cases in the last uh, number of years. So why do you think the abuse that Mark and David Ryan went through is only really coming to the surface now? And it was through a podcast that it all came into the spotlight. As I said, historically, um, and we, we know this through studies, and, and I'm in a, a perfect case in point, generally um, when abuse happens, it, it isn't revealed often for about 20 years after it occurs because, as I said, that process of burying it mm-hmm. and trying to get on with your life. Abusers tell young people that they are complicit in what happened. They tell you that this is something that you wanted. This is something that you brought about yourself. And as a child, you believe that. So there's shame. You're ashamed of what happened. And it's only, uh, you know, in adulthood, that, and, and I think because of the dialogue we've all been having, that, that, that people now feel that actually, no, I don't have to accept this responsibility. I can share it. I can talk about it. Um, I, I think that as a community, you know, people feel safer people realise that they will be supported and that they will be heard and that they will be believed, which is essential. As you said, the church had a stranglehold. In 1985, okay, when this was happening to me, had I stood up and said, this particular priest is abusing me, nobody would have believed me. I would have been called a a fantasist and I would have been absolutely ostracised. Now we appreciate that actually this did happen, that it was a generational thing almost. I wasn't unusual. I knew that there were many, many, many other young people um, that I was growing up around, that the same thing was happening to. Um, you have given advice as to what you, you've talked about the various organisations that, that are out there to help, but you, you continue to write, Shane, yeah. and uh, you say that you found that cathartic. So Extremely, uh, yeah. You have more 
more you've some new offerings coming out it's not here to plug the book but because <laughs> of what you're talking about I think once again I get the impression that you will be dealing in and delving into this issue yes I have a book coming out in January called the help desk which doesn't deal with with child protection particularly but does deal with the idea of trauma and how um, it, it, it's it's set in a law firm in the UK and it's about a, a husband and wife that are going through a very traumatic time in their lives for various historic reasons that they've been through and um, about how kind of, you know, the fear that we all live with, the fear of technology, yeah. the fear of, um, you know, that we're all being surveilled in some way um, is impacting on us. So that's called the help desk and that'll be out in January. There's more unfolding about the Spiritans, so let's conclude as we started by talking about the Spiritans. Where do you think this is likely to head next? I think that we are dealing with something which is going to be possibly as cataclysmic uh, to the Church in Ireland as the the, the Ferns report was that we've already mentioned. This is absolutely huge. Um, I think that... I think that a conversation needs to be had yet again about the responsibility that the orders have to the communities that they're supposed to serve. I have a huge issue with the fact that very, very, very few priests are actually coming out and talking openly about this and talking openly about the the, the child protection responsibilities that the church as an institution has. And I would really like to see that happening. Um, This is something that everybody... This goes beyond religion. It goes beyond politics. It goes beyond anything. This is a human issue. This is about the protection of children. And I would like to see um, a member of the clergy standing up and actually talking openly about that. Okay, the uh, 1 in 4 organisation, 0166 because somebody's asked how do you help a family member that has been through the same. Would you advise them to ring that number? Absolutely. 1 in Mm. 4 are are a wonderful organisation who've been fighting this fight from the very beginning. Thank you, Shane. Wish you well. Thank you. Appreciate it. I will do. Southeast Radio's Morning Mix. Chat, news and your views. Alan Corcoran.